0: What's new, listeners? I'm Arthur Howell, the host of 2Cent Critic. If you want the mood for reviews of books, movies, and TV shows, then join in. Today, we'll be focusing on Japanese literature, just a few of the books that my guest and I have uh, covered in the time that we spent reading. And that guest I'm bringing on is Sabah, who have already brought on the show once before. Say hello, Sabah.
1: Hi everyone, it's Saba, Arthur's Twitter best friend, and I'm so excited to be here again and discuss Japanese literature, which I feel like a lot of these books, I've suggested them to you and be like, read it. So I'm <laughs> glad we're discussing them now.
0: Yes, and I, and I want to specify not just Twitter best friend, but also like, you know, we've connected over, you know, like Discord and, <laughs> and also book buddies and, you know, other buddies. And as I said before, you haven't on the show before in the past, and that was specifically to cover some of Colleen Hoover's books. Oh,
1: yeah. Never your first option.
0: <laughs> you're, you're being my first option. You know, it started off. We had that uh-huh, stand uh-huh. We had that stand Okay. Okay. hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but now we're going to cover Japanese literature again. Not the whole. Not, it's not like we, we'll be doing a whole breakdown of the genre. which is just focusing on a few books that fall into this. Before we dive into it though, do you want to offer some thoughts on just what do you particularly love about Japanese literature? Why you're drawn to it? Oh yeah,
1: I want to make something very clear. I think both of us, like our opinions, are formulated after having gone through the translated. Bits and, well, a lot of bits and pieces, but the translated works on these uh, Japanese books, I think one of them is a classic. The others are contemporary and uh, modern. So I do have to say a lot of what we think, maybe it's not as accurate. Maybe some gets yeah. lost in translation, you know? Yeah. But and again, like we're not going to do some like crazy or like very um, formal dive into Japanese literature but rather just share opinions and I, I think for me so far I just prefer it over a lot of the western stuff that I read Probably because in a way it's more relatable. Like I know how their communities are and we're similar in the sense that everybody moves as one. I think we discussed this before or earlier that it's relatable that way because like I'm from Pakistan and we too have this sort of system where even if you're in college, you don't really move out. You're still, you know, you are your family and your family is you, And that sort of mindset, it's very common in Japan as well. And you can see that Reflected in a lot of these books, so yay! We'll di- we'll dive into all of that.
0: Yes, and the books I'll be bringing in you know, to talk about will be uh, "Before the Coffee Gets Cold" by uh, toshikazu Kawaguchi, "So Traveling Cat Chronicles" by Hiro Arakawa. I'll give a bit of my thoughts on Kafka on the Shore by Haruki Murakami, although I did read that quite uh, a bit of time ago. So, and I really don't remember, like, I don't remember much of my fleshed out thoughts on it, unfortunately, although, but I can give a few thoughts on just what I generally remember about the experience of reading that book. And then uh, No Longer Human by Osamu Desai, which I actually just read specifically for this podcast because the vibe has been highly recommending it. And now, as for you, Sabah, what, what are the books that you're bringing in? If, most of them match up with mine, but you, know, you can specify what, what books they are.
1: Oh, yeah. The same ones, I'd say, for most of it. There's Before the Coffee Gets Cold, the first one. Um, and then the sequel to it, Tales from the Cafe.
0: Which I have not read. And
1: there's Oh, yeah. And I think the other one that I'm bringing in, which you have not read yet, is The Setting Sun also by Osamu Dazai.
0: And then, but then the other ones that that do match up, tra- you have read The Traveling Cat Chronicles and No Longer Human. So most of the books yeah. will, will both be able to offer our our thoughts on.
1: You know, now that I think about it, I think I suggested all of these to you, right?
0: I think, well, not, not Kafka on the shore. I read, I read that before you had started su- su- suggesting Ah, uh, Japanese literature to me, but so that's like
1: the only exception.
0: Yeah, it, it, that is the exception. But the rest of it, you have Aren't to me. Aren't you
1: thankful to me? I introduced oh, you to this. <gasps> of course, <laughs> of
0: course, yeah. Yes. All, all right. So, ah, uh, before, so uh, do you have any particular preference uh, as to what book you want to cover first?
1: I think because we've ah uh, read them like this was your last read. So how about No Longer Human?
0: Okay, yeah. Let's just give our general thoughts on No Longer Human. So, do you want to explain, like, give a little, for anyone, for readers who don't know about this book, do you want to give, like, a little, like, what's the plot, what's the premise, you know? Even though there isn't really much plot, but, like, what's the premise, you know? Mm
1: -hmm. So, I think just the tone of it, like, right away, it's very like you just said all the time, you use the word bleak a lot, and I absolutely agree.
0: Yes, I, um, I, I use that a lot. When, 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 when Safan and I were texting about the book, and I was like, I, I use the word bleak quite a bit to, to describe the node
1: and, and I agree with that. I think it's that tone that's carried throughout. You know, sometimes, sometimes as humans, our perception, it, it can be a powerful thing, and there can be different ways to interpret the same situation. But the character here, Yozo, you read the book and you just feel like, God, him, he never looks at the bright side of it. Or, you know, like, I, I remember there's that particular, it's not a spoiler, at this one. There's this particular part where he talks about a bridge and how he thought it had a beauty to it or that, you know, it just existed to make your journey better or more, or something and then he realized that it's actually for a proper use and there's a reason why it exists. And he says that it took away something from the bread. So again a really random example but it's it's just his mindset. You really get into it and he does experience a lot, a lot of stuff. Not just him but also the people around him suffer because of some of the choices that he makes. So But then again, I do feel like the character, you also his circumstances at times, you read about them and you think, oh, so maybe that's why he's behaving in these particular ways. Yeah, again, it's a very, very bleak and a little, I'd say, depressing. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, and I would say the same thing about, again, how depressing it is because it is... You know, taking you uh, into the life of this of this uh, character named Yozo, who is very again like he said bleak and has also this misanthropic uh, side to him. It just has this is, is very pessimistic towards society and humans. Also, uh, incredibly misogynistic. and m- makes it clear many times throughout the book that he has no understanding of women and fits them into these sexist boxes and it's funny but not funny reading that it was like wait is this meant to be exaggerated like it's it almost felt like the author was doing this on purpose because it's like no he can't be this misogynistic it's just too ridiculous but then it's like oh no like this is sincere this is meant to be genuinely depicted through his eyes so it was strange diving into, into that and and of course there is also, as we were discussing before this podcast, the whole debate about uh Desai, about whether is is essentially an autobiographical work of his. Whether you know, was heavily inspired by his own life. And so and you you offer your own thoughts on that about how what do you think about autobiographical elements?
1: Ooh, so I think I actually got to know about the Zai through the anime, I don't know if I'm saying it right, of Stray Dogs, something. So one of the characters, I think one of the main characters is he's named off of Dazai. And the character himself, he's really good looking and stuff. So that's where I learned that he's named after this, you know, really renowned author who's written a lot of classic uh, work.
0: Mm-hmm. So what do you recommend that other people uh, check out No Longer Human?
1: So the answer is going to be yes and also no. I think I have a problem where I just enjoy reading sad stuff, especially when I'm sad. Um, <laughs> so I could relate to it and I I enjoyed it, to be honest, to there were some really sad parts and terrible experiences he had that I could relate to um, ones. So in a way, I felt like my questions were written on paper and it's written by someone decades ago. I'd say almost, almost a century ago. So to me personally, yeah, I like reading it and I recommended it to you because, you know, we're close and I thought that, you know, you'd be able to handle it. I mean, we've watched a lot of graphic stuff, Arthur, like We watch crazy stuff all the time. So I was like, you know, this is my good friend. He might enjoy it. But if, you know, if you're someone who does not like the sad stuff or the really heavy stuff, then I don't think this is something I'd recommend to a friend like that. Like, I know I have a lot of close friends. Well, some close friends who read specifically like romances or, you know, lighthearted stuff. I would never recommend this, I think, to them.
0: I can definitely understand that, and I think i'm I'm in the same boat. like i, I would I would recommend this like like, yeah, if you want some if you want some heavy material, if you want something that you know will leave you feeling kind of you know brooding kind kind of sad afterwards, then you can check this out. but uh, and I would say I also don't think I've been able to process the whole thing yet because there were certain points, like again, even when I was texting texting with Sabah, uh, where it's like, oh, I'm missing out on certain parts of the themes here or of like even certain events that have happened because they were implied so subtly. So that's why it doesn't lead me to believe that I'm probably missing out on <laughs> different elements of the book, you know, whether it's the themes or the plot or stuff like that. And maybe I'm missing out on stuff. So you know that being said, you know, may- and maybe other, maybe readers, maybe you'll have the same experiences, maybe you'll be able to process this more easily than I did. But overall, I would say, you know, I, I'm, I'm into this book. And, and it's also a quick read, too. So but you can just, you know, dive into it. It's like, how, how many pages is this? Like 150 pages or something like that? 160? Something like that.
1: Oh, yeah. It's a short one.
0: So again, it's a, a bit of a recommend for both of us, so, you know, depending on what mood you are in. But that's No Longer Human by Osamu Desai. And now let's give our general thoughts on uh, before the coffee gets cold, to give a just a bit of the premise for people who don't know about it, this basically takes place in a in a in this cafe where you can go into specific seats, sit down, and you can time travel to like do whatever period you want. But there are some very specific rules you need to follow when you're time traveling, and to end this, end this book ends up following, uh. Four different tales, and each is like it, it's all part of like uh, almost like an anthology sort of thing, where each tale follows a character who is trying to use the, the time travel rules in this cafe to try to you know ac- accomplish something into life, you know, change something in, in the, the timeline. And now, as if I want to give you a general thoughts on the book.
1: Oh, yeah, of course, I would love to. I just want to start off with saying that I actually got to know about this book through Book Talk, which is usually, you know, criticized a lot (laughs) for this kind of suggestions that they make. But to be honest, I think when you find the right people on Book Talk or even like book Twitter, you're going to get the kind of suggestions that you would enjoy reading. And so I'm really thankful to that one Book Talker. I'm forgetting their name right now, but yeah this book before the coffee gets cold if i'm not wrong i think this might have been my first japanese translated book yeah and i think this is where it all sort of started yeah so i'm really thankful to it it's it's about this magical cafe where apparently you can travel in time and like arthur said there are a lot of rules and stuff but i think the most important one or the most significant one that alters people's decision to time travel is well, the fact that well, even if you- well, wait wait, wait. Yeah? we
0: should we, we should stay out of spoiler country in this section though we should save this oh, for okay. on. Okay.
1: so it's about four different stories where each you know people decide to tra- time travel and all i'm gonna say is the first one was but the next three made me cry like a little baby so very sentimental i'd say at least to me
0: yes i would say yeah sentimental uh, i i think and i have heard other i have heard other people say this as well like even when i was looking up to goodreads reviews that other reviewers have criticized the book for being too mawkish, like too you know too uh sentimental but I, I was personally into it like you know it's sometimes my heart can be all cynical and stony but I was I warmed up to this pretty quickly and I think to and especially like some of the, a couple, some of the stories especially like one or two of them you know they really did get at my heart and it mm-hmm. was you know it was it was quite enjoyable and the. So I can I can also understand the criticism of the rules, kind of like feeling because again, there's some rules you have to follow, I can understand the criticism of them feeling arbitrary. That it feels that it's like, oh like why do you have these rules here? It just makes it feel contrived. And I can understand the criticism, but I'm personally okay with the with the, with the book with, with how it played out in this book, because I feel like I feel like at the end of the day. It's more about about the emotions that the characters go through and the arcs they undergo as they're trying to, you know, go about certain missions, you know, which are time-traveling journeys. And they're trying to achieve certain goals, and it's about how that comes about. That's more important than, uh, you know, the plotting or the time travel rules themselves. So do you think you'd recommend this for other people?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I think regardless of the type of, you know, genres or themes you're into, I think this is maybe not the most lighthearted book, but it's again, it's sentimental, it's sweet, it, and it and it displays love in different forms, with family, with family, siblings, uh, parents, whatnot, and so I think it's a kind of book which would. Which can be appreciated by all kinds of people, and I think it's it's good to be in touch with those sort of emotions. So yeah, I definitely suggest it to friends.
0: Yes, and, and I would also do the same thing as well. Again, it's just a quite enjoyable, you know, sweet, you know, warm-hearted, and I yeah I would definitely recommend it for other people. And now I would like to get your thoughts on the sequel. Which again, I have not read this, but you have, so you can, you know, offer uh, some thoughts on that.
1: Okay, so I do have to say that I have read this book, and it got me out of my slump, month long slump, I should say, and I'm so thankful that it did it. It sort of ignited that love for reading again, <laughs> so I'm thankful for that. But I do have to say, I don't think it, I don't think I liked it half, maybe not half, but you know. I don't think I liked it as much as I liked the first one. And for some reason, it just, it wasn't as sentimental as the first one. And I think I had a lot of expectations and just what I wanted it to be. But it wasn't all that. I, I'm not saying it's a bad book. I just do not think it lifts up to the hype I had created for it all by myself in my head so again not a bad book I definitely recommend this to friends I wish it did more though
0: mm, interesting yeah I mean you know I, I, I'll, I'll still you know, pick it up like you know I guess what, like, what 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 do you say what do you say is worth picking up
1: oh yeah of course it definitely is but I just do think it's not as good as the first one
0: okay yeah, I'll, I'll I'll keep that in mind. But still, sometimes I do want to check out myself, and I also know if there's mm-hmm. is, there's the third book coming up. With... Oh yeah,
1: it, I feel like the Japanese version of it is already out. I think I'm not it's sure be, about the translated be, though.
0: Before your memory fades, that's the t-shirt book.
1: Oh, it, oh yeah, it actually is out. You're correct. Ooh. You know what? I don't think I'll be reading it though.
0: Oh, how come?
1: <laughs> because I don't know, I think i I just didn't like the second one enough to be okay. the third one,
0: oh yeah. no, well then <laughs> I I guess so I guess so happy up to me to you know check that one out and see if it's worth recommending to you,
1: <gasps>
0: but okay, so okay, so now, so we we've covered our general thoughts on that, and now uh let's give our general thoughts on. The Traveling cat chronicles Ooh. which now this author has tons of emotions because to basically uh to put the premise, you know explain it you know quickly uh it, it focuses on this you know powerful relationship between uh, a cat Nana and his human owner uh, Satoru, and the two of them end up going on this road trip for reasons that are not clearly explained at first. And it just, just becomes this whole, you know, uh, almost like I don't know, I don't know if you call it like an Odyssey of sorts, but you know, it's you know, it's, I would say something so something close to that. And you learn about the whole you know, the whole bond and and all and 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 a lot of it, not all of it, but significant portions of the book take place from Nana, so Kat's P O B and I oh, and I and I love that personally. Like it, there's a lot of humor. It's actually really funny. this book and just uh, uh, the, the humor that you get through Nana, the like cat humor, almost like cat thinking. Oh, it it is infused with with this almost like an arrogance. You know, like you know, almost like something you'd expect from a cat. It's like, hey, human, do this for me. You know, you owe me. I'm superior to you. It's that kind of you know that kind of humor. And it's just, uh, it, I don't know, I found it to be quite charming to read, but also heartbreaking too. And survive. So well, you wanna, what, what, what do you think of it?
1: What do I think of the book? It is absolutely one of my favorites, again. Um, I, like you said, I think Nana was just this wonderful, sarcastic, funny cat, like so much personality in one cat. Ugh. You know, every time we were. Just reading his thoughts, I'd literally laugh out loud. I loved him, loved him so much. And you know, he's arrogant. <laughs> he's very prideful of his looks, and he thinks he deserves everything in the world. He definitely does. But, but what's even more important is, you know, he too feels that connection with Satoru, which we later learn on is very, very strong. So. Just reading the book, their journey, their traveling, um, there's a lot of uh, description about the places that they go, the sceneries, and reading that as well was very amazing for me, honestly.
0: Uh, all right. Well, and, and would you recommend this?
1: 10 out of 10, of course. I, I would definitely recommend this to friends that love cats because I know every cat lover is just going to love this book. It might break their heart a little bit maybe a lot but (laughs) it's definitely worth it so yeah
0: all right good and i'll recommend it too strongly recommend and i'll give my general thoughts on uh kafka on the shore now this is by uh haruki mirakami it's about this teenager uh his name is you know kafka he's the eponymous protagonist Uh, and he ends up uh fleeing home there's some kind of like a family stuff going on, and it's kind of unclear as to what it is. Like it could be the the family crap could be going one way, or it could be happening in a different form. So again, kind of you know obscure, but he anyway he runs away from home, and he is going on this whole journey. And then there's also this other character uh, Nakata, who ends up getting he ends up kind of like there's like a connection that gets formed between him and Kafka, and it's kind of hard to get, I, I, I don't know, I feel like I'm not really doing a good job, honestly, of even describing like what the story is about, because I feel like diving more into it would be getting some more spoilery, Uh, just because it, it is, and I would say, out of all of the books I've read, this is definitely one of the more surreal books that I have experienced. And I would also say trigger warnings for, you know, for for cat stuff, because there is like you know, I, I would just say right the a friend, there is cat murder that does happen in this book, so you know trick warning for that for I know like for like an, animal animal dash animal murder but from what I would call, I would uh, recommend this. I think there there were like interesting there was interesting material it was working with with the characters, and again, just like holds the real kind of like bizarre tone. It was diving in tubes and there were definitely some plots, but it was getting very like absurdist material. It was it was like wow, is this is happening. Almost like it was almost like everything ever all at once. It was like that level of absurdism. <laughs> so you know, if that sounds like it's not the reality, then I would recommend it. But maybe if it sounds a little too much for you, then you know I understand if if it's not if it's not your jam. <gasps> All right, and now let's hear your general thoughts on The Setting Sun, which which is also by Desai, and I have not read that, but you have, so.
1: Oh, yeah, I think I actually read some of its quotes on, like, Twitter or Book Talk, and I was like, oh, God, I have to get it because the culture are, like, super depressing. <laughs> so, again, this is also a very bleak book, and this time guess what? It's actually about the life of a female character, Kazuko, and she's living with her widowed mother. So I know that um, with No Longer Human, it's about Yuzo, a male character, um, and we can see that there's some sort of reflection from his own life as well. And in the setting sun, since it's a female character, you don't see that happening as much. And I think Desai, in his own way, tries to incorporate or you know integrate feminine experiences from like I think from his his perspective. Um, there's more like spoilery stuff, for later on I suppose. But yeah, it. The, her journey as a whole was sort of strange. Oh, and I think another similarity that I think happens with these two books is that the characters, they lose their wealth. And, you know, they start to struggle financially because I know Yozo experiences and so does um, Kazuko and her mother, if I remember correctly. And I think that just adds adds in another layer of misery to it you know
0: Hmm. yeah interesting
1: i feel like that is something he must have he must have experienced himself as well
0: again this does sound like something i'd be interested in picking up sometime and you and you also said this is also kind of short right not i don't think it's as short as uh as no longer human but still fairly short.
1: oh yeah it's definitely short as well
0: Alright, good, good. And so what do you recommend for for people to read this?
1: You know, again, the same kind of answer that I said for no longer human. I really feel like if you're into bleak stuff, then yeah. But you know, if you like you're lighthearted and happily ever after, then uh this is not <laughs> this is not for you.
0: All right. And now I'll give the trigger warnings that'll we'll be covering on this episode and therefore rape, death suicide, suicide attempt, addiction, pregnancy, miscarriage, terminal illness, animal cruelty, maybe incest, just maybe, misgendering, and pedophilia now we can move on with to you know to spoil the country for all of the content we've been covering so you know and we won't be able to give like a deep we won't be able to do a deep dive into each book because obviously like that would be impossible but we'll give you know we'll we'll, we'll just give some more spoilery thoughts on on the books you know just to like give more mm-hmm. of a taste of the deeper spoilery content for listeners if they're not gonna pick up the books at this moment so now, mm-hmm. if you don't want to listen to that listeners, you can just pause the episode right now, and you can try to pick out the books you know that we've been talking about. Or if you are okay with spoilers or if you have read the books already, then you can just stay right here. And all right, so no longer human. Now, again, this does have quite a bit to unpack, and again, we won't be able to cover all of it. But something I want to point out first is that even in the and you know, the, you know the beginning beginning of the book when it turns out that he has been uh sexually abused by the by by, by the, the maids, right? And the servants which completely flew over my head. But it, it it's written pretty subtly enough, but then the use of pointed it out to me, and then I would go back to it and I'm like, Oh, now I can see <laughs> how it was written to this portion here.
1: You know, I feel like, again, since we're discussing Japanese literature as a whole, I, I would have to say that as compared to, like, Western or American literature, again, I think uh, our culture, especially, like, Asians, we're not very direct, you know? It's it's usually never a yes or no. It's uh, our way of communicating. It's It's been a little implicit. And so I get that. I get that if... Uh, you know someone who's uh, more into like again american literature or the western side of it then yeah it could be difficult to pick up um also i think when i was reading the book i was like really really attentive to each and every word because it was like my kind of book so i i i, I i'm not going to say that the book was confusing i don't think it was i think there's just a different it's just communicated differently for sure. Yeah. Again, like I think it's difference in cultures.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're saying that for too, as well, like, you know, just like yeah, it, it is written differently. It's not like well um Ameri- American books is maybe written more explicitly, you know, it's made much clearer, it's much more apparent to us readers than something like this, where it's much more you know, hidden within the layers. You do have to pay more, much more attention to it. Focus much more on the details. Well, also like metaphysical too. I feel like I feel like typically a lot of a lot of these books, like especially a cop con to that is that is book on, is particularly. And I will comment on that when I give my thoughts on it. what spoiler be thoughts on it. Uh, it definitely dives fully into the metaphysical layers, and allows for plenty of interpretations and picking up on all of these little symbols. And then. What do you think about, like, you know, Yozo, like, as he's going through his journey in, in, this, in, in, this, uh, in this book, and no longer human?
1: I feel like when, literally, the first notebook, it literally starts off with the sentence, um, Mine has been a life of such shame. Like, is that not crazy? <laughs> it literally sets the tone for his entire journey there are so many events that happen you know uh let's say when he was living with that girl she gets raped and he does nothing and he says that she's been violated well why didn't he like step in he doesn't um there's a time where i suppose him and the girl from the bar were trying to commit suicide and they had to buy poison was it, or maybe they had to pay off for the coffee or drinks that they just had, and he didn't even have the money for that. Like, it, you know, not even like a couple coins or something. I yeah. don't know what currency was going on back then. Irresponsible. So it, it's irresponsible,
0: so- irresponsible is definitely another way to describe him, aside from him being so misanthropic, and misanthropic and- misogynist, misog- misogynistic.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, misogynist for sure. But it's, it's, it's those experiences which, you know, make him feel helpless. And I think he's just at a point where he's like, what's the point of it all? You know, why even bother? Uh, again, a very, very complex character with very dark thoughts. A lot of questions that I don't think have yes or no answers to, like, again, a lot of like, perception and his mindset. It's it's so different.
0: This kind of character feels so fleshed out also to the point that and I think this just this does, you know, lend to the whole autobiographical element is that it feels very real, almost too real. You know, like it this is this is a character who is definitely drawn uh, whose inspiration has been drawn from the author himself, from Desai. And even it actually it, it even comments in the like a, a translator's foreword. For the edition of of uh, no longer Human by that, and even the and even that forward was like it did point out it did comment on the autobiographical aspect, but certain moments where it's like, oh, this feels too human, too real like it's it's you know based off of the real person with so many of these flaws and multifaceted you know aspects of humanity, and oh yeah,
1: of course, like with the level of how explicit his thoughts are it's it's like way too authentic to be the thoughts of a mere character and that was when I learned that the guy was actually suicidal and I also learned about the double suicide so when that happened in the book it hit me like and you know what it's it's not just the incidents or the big events that happened in his actual life I think other than that just the way, we've discussed this thing before, but you know, you read how intense and well written his thoughts are, like you said, about society and not feeling like a part of it, questioning its existence, questioning his own existence. And it not even, okay, like, fine, maybe the thoughts are very um, explicit and you see that. see that difference between a character and the author himself kind of evaporating and between those lines as you carry on but the fact that it's it's happening right from a very young age of the character until towards he's like what well in his 20s or in a very bad state um he's carried that mindset throughout his life i'd say or At least until he's, you know, up until his 30s almost. So, yeah, I think that just makes it a little evident. And it just tells you that this is something very personal. I don't know. That was the message that I got as I read the book.
0: Yeah, And also, this is also a character who is uh, quite driven by his relationship with his parents, particularly his father, I would say. And I texted you this. When I first started the book, I texted you. He's got some daddy issues. <laughs> just, that hit me right away.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I I think just that helplessness from the early stages of a child. You know, when he was molested by his manservants and maids, and he felt like he couldn't even talk about that because he again had no trust in them or faith in them. Mm-hmm. I, I just think even that has had such an impact on him and his way of approaching his parents and people in general. So, yeah, again, like a very, very dark book.
0: Yeah, and, and what was that quote that he had? What Was it, uh, women found in me, a man who could keep a love secret?
1: Oh, yeah. He, he did that a lot, I think, right?
0: Yes, yeah. He yes. had
1: affairs. Or he was a part of them at least. <laughs> yes. yes. And yeah, it's just... so strange how there's also this one bit where he says something like, I have never, like, I don't understand women. Or, you know, they laugh too much. They have more pleasures than men do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's weird. And then even, I feel like his relationships, even with uh, friends, he tries, you know, like he tries to make relationships with people who he could be, he could be friends with. But I feel like I feel like even then he still fe- he he himself still feels very isol- isolated like he still feels cut off even from the friends he makes, mm-hmm. like people he runs into, like even um uh, like a uh, Masao Hariki, I think he was you know trying to be you know he was trying to befriend him so a so fellow art student. But it felt like yo, I felt like Yoza was still quite, you know. It, it felt like he, would, it was just, he was struggling to build a bond. Like he was still, again, isolated, just very uh, by himself. And that was. Oh, yeah. I feel
1: like no matter whom he lived with, whether it was his family or. What was that guy named? Flapjack? Was oh,
0: that
1: what uh, he called
0: it? F- uh, flap sack. Flap, wait, What's his name? Flapjack? Flapjack? It was something along those lines.
1: Yeah, along those lines. like no flatfish,, flatfish, flatfish. Yes, so again, like, no matter how close they were, like, whether their relationship was romantic, he always always felt like he was not understood and that he just was not a part of society. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's yozo for you,
0: yeah, and then again, like, Oh, was was Yoshiko? That was so frustrating, and because because even uh, there was even the the, the way that he Yozo, know, so I noticed I noticed that he repeatedly used the word uh, violated mm-hmm. because because and he 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 repeatedly claimed that Yoshiko had been violated. So that's why in that scene, because as we, you know, we were bringing it up before, she was the one who was raped, and she. And I, And I wasn't sure if he meant violated as in her getting raped or just dis- or violated as in she cheated on him with someone because I felt like through his mindset, like he would use violate violated for what for a situation like that again, through his mindset. And then it's like, oh, once you you know once that once that whole thing is clarified, and we were talking about this it before, it's just like it's so frustrating, and he doesn't doesn't care that she was that, that she was sexually abused.
1: I mean, he's the kind of character you're not going to like throughout the book. Oh, no. Probably, but that but... one particular scene, I wanted to punch him. You know, just like go through the book, travel back in time. And if that particular scene is based off of reality, then whoa. That's, that's heavy.
0: Yeah, and it's frustrating too because, you know, it's not like I... I you know, this this is not someone who's likable, but at the same time, I can't, I, I can't outright hate him the whole time just because this is someone who is so utterly sad and who at one time did try to, uh, did, did try to kill himself, and along with someone else, like remember, it was it was actually a double suicide, and so mm-hmm. so and uh, the woman he did it with, she she died. But he ended up surviving. That is, in itself was heartbreaking to read. And in general, this whole thing is actually really hard-wrenching to process.
1: That is true. I, I do agree that. Yeah, you know what? You're right. I don't think I particularly hated him. There are times where you sympathize with him and feel bad. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a lot of pity for him. And then there are times where you're just pissed off at him. Like, dude get it together but
0: yeah i mean even also also when he's, when he's taken to when he's taken to the mental institution at the end too and that and that whole thing and, and then his dad ends up passing away and then his brother and flatfish take him out of the hospital mm-hmm. but then they tell him he has to leave tokyo <laughs> and and then oh, also, and
1: also mm-hmm. wait, oh yes carry on carry
0: on oh no no tell me tell me
1: okay i forgot what i was gonna say
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, if you remember, one more thing, what What about the epilogue? Do you have any thoughts about the epilogue? And, because it takes place in a different person's POE, who mm-hmm. is a parent, who knows about Yozo's notebooks, and he ends up I reading... I do have to
1: say, I didn't think too much about it when I was reading it.
0: Interesting, yeah, I was trying to figure out, like, yeah. is it is it like a friend, is it like a friend of Yozo's? <laughs> like, is it, her, her, is it Hariki? Or is it someone else? Is it a different character who I'm not thinking of? Or is it? Or is it so, just someone who we haven't met yet? Just some other random person. Hmm. But oh, and then also you—you pointed out before how surprised you were by Yozo as uh, revelation that he's only uh that that he's only twenty-seven. Oh yeah. Because of his gray hair.
1: Not just that, but just like his whole life, like all the things that were going on. This man, he has done pornographic comics. Um, he's been a part of a cult or something, something crazy, political parties. Uh, so much, so much. He's been in like affairs. Yeah, double suicide, like <laughs> a lot going on in like a hundred something pages book. So yeah, I did get the idea that, you know, he's a little old now that he's literally on his. Like he's sick, yeah. And so I had assumption.
0: True. I I I I had I was not not surprised by the revelation just because I assumed that he was probably somewhere in his early twenties or so, maybe even twenty years old. Because I just thought that he like this is I thought this was someone who was just very really, who was just young, and who was just going through a lot of experiences in a short span of time. I think also because I tend to watch maybe I, I watch a lot of movies and. And read books that focus on these kind of young protagonists who go through tons of crap early on in life. So when that when it was confirmed he was twenty seven, I'm just like, oh yeah, you know, not too big of a shock. Yeah. So those are our spoiler thoughts on no longer human. Again, I was so like, you know, again, if you if it sounds like it's up to you, then you know, you can go and read this, you know. And, and there's mm-hmm. quite, and we're not diving into everything here. There's more There's more stuff that we haven't been able to cover here. So, you know, there's more for you to explore, reader. Now let's give our spoiler results on Before the Coffee Gets Cold.
1: So I think the second story, the third one and the fourth one, all of them made me cry a lot. But the last one literally takes the cake because it's... It's about a mother and her child and this is the first time instead of traveling to the past someone is traveling to the future to meet someone that they're never going to meet you know it's about a mother who is about to give birth but she has a weak heart if i remember it correctly and so she's going to die as she gives birth um, everybody knows it but she's still pregnant and she still wants to be connected to her daughter and mickey i think And so she travels to the future and that whole hassle to get everybody at the same spot in the future. Yeah, I think it's really, really emotional. Um, It made me cry a lot. And again, I I think the emphasis on how it's so beautiful, how you can carry a child, never meet them, and you still have so much love for them, someone you don't even know. (laughs) <laughs> so I know. reading at their interaction everything i cried a lot yeah that was like my favorite one but also the second one where the husband has um amnesia i think
0: uh early onset alzheimer's
1: oh sorry alzheimer's and he starts to forget and uh, you know what you want to talk about it because yeah
0: i yeah so i actually i i this was a this was a story so this is chapter two husband and wife it really did pull you know it really did pull them my the heartstrings you know in a good way and story of how uh of, of, of Fusaki' a husband and Kotaki is a wife because Fusaki has early onset Alzheimer's and he is fe- and starting to not be able to remember uh Kotaki and just the, the whole story about how Kotaki ends up you know she, she's his nurse. But then she travels back in time, and she gets the letter from him, and he tells him the letter, like, "Hey, you don't have to stay with me and take care of me. I know I'm gonna be, forget you. You know, you don't have to. You know, you don't have to. You don't have basically, you don't you don't have to feel like you're trapped in this relationship. You can leave me when you want to, and be free, be on your own. But then when she returns to the present, she ends up staying with uh, with Pisaki. You know, again, even though again, he he's you know not." he's not gonna. He's not fully remembering her again it's the alzheimer's and it's just it's heartbreaking but it's also sweet and it's heartwarming because of the you know devotion that she's showing to him the love but, but you know again he's he not remembering her and, and that and that would be you know that would be really agonizing to experience and i i, I can't personally attest to it i haven't experienced that you know, in my life yet, you know, but it's just really emotional. And he and and even like he was keeping track. I love that bit when he was keeping track of the destinations and the gardens they visited. You know, I found that to be really sweet as well. And and then we have the other chapters too, like the lovers, which I like that, but not as emotional for me. But I still like this, with you know, Fim- with Fimiko trying to you know reconnect. With her boyfriend who had moved away, and trying to see if she could change the future, which I feel like it's kind of, kind of, kind of implied maybe that she did change the future because of the way that she was able to go back in time and talk to him, and maybe that could change, that could affect his. it, it, didn't, it didn't affect him moving away, but he could end up coming back because of that whole talk between them, and just end of the chapter three, the sisters, and that is also like that was also really heartbreaking as well, and just the a dynamic between the sisters and the three was involved and all this like family crap going on there and trying to reconnect with family. And then chapter four, mother and child, which as you guys covered already, but that was also again really poignant. And I also really appreciate how I feel like these stories do a pretty good job of connect connecting with each other too. Like you will see different characters like pop up in each other's stories. And so it's nice to go through them and be like, oh, you know, this person was from, from that story. This person was from this story. And how they all interact in this, in this cafe, which, by the way, is called Funiculi, Funiculi Funiculi Funicula. Which I you know, I, I like that. and What do you think about the rules in the cafe? And uh, how they affect time traveling? And how they restrict what the time travelers are able to accomplish?
1: Yeah, yeah. I Again, like the one that you cannot change the present or the future especially with the sisters I think you know like she had already lost her sister but what I liked was that she learned more about how um I'm forgetting the names of the characters but that her younger sister didn't like never really hated her or even the other one you know there was a lot of love there a lot of um admiration so that was nice
0: yeah, Hirai. Oh, yeah, Hi- Hirai Hi- Hi was, the Hi- Hi was the, like, the main sister, and then Kumi was, the, was her <laughs> sister who had passed away. I can understand why people would think the rules are kind of contrived, but I, I was interested. I liked how, like, it affected the story, and also...
1: <laughs> yeah, it would have been stupid if it didn't have, you know, like, strict rules, and it would have been like, oh, anybody can travel to any time, and, you know...
0: Oh, it would also,
1: definitely make it less
0: interesting. Or you also have to have to finish the coffee before it gets cold. Otherwise, if you don't, uh you, you, you can only time travel for a short period of time. And then you can you have to finish it before the coffee gets cold. And if it does get cold before you travel back in time, then uh you'll get trapped in that chair. And there's actually a woman in the cafe who we see It's almost like a not not quite a ghost, but she's like it's like a spirit of some form who is like trapped in this chair because she didn't return in time. And I think and I think that's also kind of interesting. how like they pour the coffee and then when as the coffee cools, that is just measurement just the uh, the measurement that's used to determine how long you can travel back in time for. so I also thought that just an interesting theme going on in in the book where, it has a theme of regrets, I feel like, where a lot of the characters are dealing with you know regrets of, regrets of their own, kind of like any all of these issues, these personal issues from from the past, and then these uh these time travel trips in the cafe help them to overcome those regrets, which I think is a it it, it adds like its own you know poignant layer to the to the book.
1: Oh yeah, of course. I feel like obviously if you want to travel in time, um, especially if you want to go back. But I do have to say, I don't think the fourth one is about regret. You know, uh,
0: <laughs> right? Well, I maybe not, maybe not like maybe not like regret, but maybe just so like a sadness because like well, mm-hmm. you could you could say it's like the mom. You could, you could say it's like her, her, mom regretting that she's not gonna be able to spend time with her daughter. Because she'll be dying Mm -hmm. in childbirth. But then so then she regrets in a way her daughter having to, you know, live her life without her, without her mom. So I feel like Yeah, maybe
1: but there's not, you know, guilt there. But the others, yeah, sure. Like Uh, especially the sister. Yes, the sister. Oh, definitely, yes. yes. Of course. A lot of guilt over there. And especially when she learns the truth, I think it makes it even worse. (laughs) But yeah, I feel like if any like given time, you know, if any moment you go, oh, I wish I could go back to the past, it's less because you want to relive those moments, and mostly because I wish I had done so and so right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and,
0: and, and but but then these trips allow them to reflect on themselves and kind of like and view the situations from a different light. We've mentioned before how like they really. These time travel trips are not able to change any any of the events, like they still run along on the same path, but the, the, again, the way, the perspective on these events was... Yeah,
1: and also, like, sometimes they get to clear some sort of um, misunderstanding, because yes. a lot of the times, these characters, they had assumptions, and very set, like you said, um, perspectives. But once they travel back in time and get to learn the reality, um, <laughs> it, it, it just reminds me, I think the most iconic moment of the entire book, the first one, was when the nurse, uh, back when her and her husband weren't married and they were like exchanging letters and he couldn't read. <laughs> he wouldn't understand what was written. So he'd had his friend write responses accordingly like based off of assumptions that he understood and in the last one the woman goes like I don't know if you've been reading my letters or you know uh, and stuff and he just sends a letter saying do you want to get married I I just remembered this and I was like you know that was funny and yeah
0: yeah that that was that was really great too but yeah so I guess those are all all my uh my thoughts I have at this moment for before the coffee gets cold. Do you have anything else you want to add to that? Anything else you want to any Any, any other spoilery thoughts?
1: Mm, I think we've discussed pretty much everything that was like important, you know?
0: All right. So that's before the coffee gets cold. And now let's move on to uh, your opinions about on the sequel, The Tales from the Cafe, which again, you've read this, but I have not. So let's dive into this.
1: Oh, Tales from the Cafe. You know, when you really, really, really like a book, and it's like one of your favorites, and you're so excited, not even to read, but just to like, get the second book and have a feel of it and stuff um that was me with this one like I I remember reading the first one and I was like "Uh uh-uh I gotta like I have to have the second one even if I don't read it for a while I need to have it like right now and I remember ordering it right away it came home and I was super excited um and I had like a whole list I was like I'm gonna read this and I'm gonna read this and then I'll save this one for later because it's like a special one However, your girl got into a slump, and um, I I have to say, like, this did get me out of the slump after a lot of books that I could not finish or just wouldn't. This is the first one within, like, I'd say after a couple months that I finally, like, did finish. Um, But it just didn't live up to the hype I had created in my own head. I I do think that's also because I've been kind of busy, and so I wasn't able to, you know, read it the way that I read the first one. But in terms of the book itself, the tone and the vibes, they're pretty much the same as the first one. You know, it's still about the cafe. Um, Some characters are not there now, and then there's additions of some new characters. You get to learn more about the ghost. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah the yes. story
1: behind uh what What's, happened and mm-hmm. I find that and
0: I find the ghost be a fascinating character. Like even like again as we said before, the concept of this character who was trapped because she stayed behind too long and she didn't return before the copy got cold. And so now she's just trapped in this weird like time space. She's like a time ghost of sorts.
1: I mean I don't think they really explain, like the physics behind it you know it's, it's kind of like a, it's not explained yeah.
0: that's my that's just, my, that, that's just my, my personal explanation for it my personal mm-hmm. reasoning
1: yeah but they do explain i think everything here is like so emotional and you know it's all about like love and relationships and it's to the point where you stop asking the logical questions in your head you're like ah oh, whatever you know who cares um <laughs> but but they do sort of give you an insight um into the ghost uh, her kids her family why she didn't wrap up her coffee or like finish it off before it got cold and yeah um Ooh, and you can see the guild and other characters even those who don't travel in time you know people have made some mistakes or even without mistakes there are some regrets um the waitress i think her name was Kay. if i'm pronouncing it right
0: i'm not sure that that sounds familiar honestly I, i forget some of the names
1: I don't know if I'm pronouncing it the right way, but, yeah, you get to learn about her, too, why she is a little quiet and, you know, just the way she is, a little hard to read, a little vague. Um... So, yeah, you you get to learn about the characters. Oh, the daughter. Oh, the daughter. She is hilarious. I love her. Um, She's a little grown up now, and she's very excited. And she knows about the coffee and the time traveling, and she wants to get involved. Um, But then again, you know, it's the same sort of pattern. You have four different stories, four different people who wish to travel in time um, to the past. I, I I can't read. Oh yeah, there was one that wanted to travel to the future. So yeah, I see pretty much the same setting, the same tone.
0: Would you say mm-hmm. that there's any like particular stories or any particular moments that stood out to you? Would you like to describe them?
1: You know, here's the thing: the previous book, I cried at three of them, and all three of those stories, um, the second, third, and the fourth were like I don't know. These just hit, hit me really hard. And here, however, for some reason none really stood out to me i'd say the last one but that's probably because like i remember it well because that was the last that i read but yeah weird
0: interesting so not so none of, So it doesn't really stand out to you but at the same time would you say there's any specific any specific beats that you would criticize that glared out to you as being like just something that didn't, didn't appeal to you or was it just all kind of like this maybe like this mass of emotions that you kind of enjoyed mm-hmm. but also wasn't really odd and memorable
1: yeah i do feel like you know i get it that it's it's a cafe you're not gonna have you know the avengers coming in or something uh <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I wish i wish things were done a little differently i don't know maybe not the same format and then it might have been a bit more interesting it's just my thought on it even though i'm not exactly sure what the author could have done different.
0: Imagine the Avengers just crashing into the cafe <laughs> to take care of super villains. But oh yeah, I'm, I
1: want to travel back in time and murder that villain. Huh? But I uh, yeah, so
0: I can see it why you feel that way. I, I would still like to pick up the second book sometime. And, not, and of course, the third book as well. And do you have any more thoughts to add on, on uh, Tales from the Cafe?
1: I'm not reading the third book. <laughs> that's all i gotta say
0: all right uh now we can move on to my thoughts on Kafka on the shore by haruki Murakami. now are this... you gonna
1: give spoilers
0: uh i was planning to are you okay with spoilers
1: i don't want to hear them
0: okay okay <laughs> uh i okay so now Try to uh walk around the spoilers here. I'll just try to get, try no, to offer. No, it's
1: okay. I can like um. Can I like wait?
0: Okay, so I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna just gonna talk now because does not want to hear the hear the spoilers. So basically, *Carpenter on the Shore, It I I really enjoyed the book. It's very met- metaphysical. I would say that. I think it ha- does play with a lot of interesting themes, like those, for example the theme of the consciousness and how that plays into the whole book, kind of like how the, the connection between the consciousness and the world, how your what, what you how what you're thinking affects your actions and just sort of what are between those all of those uh ideas. There's also like even like music, music also plays a big role in this. There are a lot of like times when music or well uh play an important role in these crucial moments for certain characters, which I found to be intriguing. Uh, There's also some stuff about, like you know, your destiny, you know, fate, and there's there's this whole, you know, journey that, you know, the main character, Kafka, the eponymous character that he goes on, and he ends up having to go on this journey of, like, you know, of trying to be self-sufficient, he's trying to, you know, be able to stand on his own two feet, and kind of like fight for himself in life, and there's this whole thing about like with his his relationship with his mom. And I think like there's this there's a weird thing in the book where it's like oh did he have did he did he have sex with someone who may have been his mom, which was a weird thing. I I so like that that's so stuck out to me just because I'm like oh why was that in there? I <laughs> like I don't know like it, and I guess it was like a whole Oedipus complex going on in the in the book, which I like, can you know. Maybe that has some somatic stuff that I guess you're trying to you know dig deeper to figure out, but I haven't really done that quite yet. there's also even like the symbols, like the labyrinth being used as like a symbol in the book to kind of like to be to, uh, to stand in for the quest to find you know knowledge and information and be able to comprehend your own soul and crows are also a symbol in the in the book as well. And I also remember uh, finding the uh, Queer to be intriguing because there's a, a character, Oshima, who is a gay trans man, and he's like a, a librarian, and he he's the owner of a cabin that uh, Kafka ends up staying at, and they, the, two, the two of them become friends, and, and Oshima is a hemophiliac. Murakami had also included a gay bodyguard in IQ84, so that was another example in his bibliography where he had included uh, Queer Reps. And there's a lot of interesting moments in the book, like, like the cat murder. That is something that you would have to watch out for. Trigger warnings: We don't want to read about cats getting murdered and uh, having their hearts torn out and eaten. Uh, there's also there's also another scene with Colonel Sanders from KFC, where he appeared in this hallucinatory trip, which was also which also stuck out to me. I think they're talking animals, or at least like people who think they're talking to animals, but maybe it's just in their in their heads. And I know I'm not giving the most uh, thorough breakdown of this here, of this book here, but I feel like I feel like again, if I were to go back to it, I'm sure I would probably really, you know, just dive into it and be able to flesh out all of the, the themes and the characters and the story storytelling. So those are my thoughts on Kafka on the Shore by Haruki Murakami, and you know what, if the surrealism and the metaphysicality that fills up this novel sounds like it's up to then you should go and pick it up. And alright, now that you're back, uh, let's move on to your thoughts on The Setting Sun, which is, which is also by Osamu Desai, of No Longer Human fame.
1: I don't know I think we discussed this before but this time instead of um doing a lead male character the main character here is a female and and it's 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 so weird you can literally feel you can literally see it that he's unable to really understand women and just what they actually are. Like, I don't know if this guy has ever been near a woman in like all of his life, cause just just the way that um our our main character here viewed herself as, you know, not not being enough for not having kids and things like that, and then wanting a really like I don't have words, a scum's kid, a literal like wanting to be somebody else's mistress and stuff um i'm not saying that it never happened but i don't know i feel like for the main character what was happening here okay true that even in no longer human uh yozo he (laughs) wasn't someone you'd look up to or admire his acts and the way that he has led his life wasn't you know exactly something you'd say oh love that guy he's so brave he 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 he's so great no no one's gonna do that but I, I suppose in a way that's also um something you see happening here she's not someone you're gonna look up to someone but i do have to say that the character here was trying to keep themselves together um she was living with her mother and she was responsible for you know just her family i'd say a lot more responsible than yozo um who couldn't take care of self of uh, who couldn't take care of himself no not self-sufficient yeah. no no not at all <laughs> uh but here as well and maybe we discuss this but uh the family were once powerful and you know are now broke i think towards the end they sort of become dependent on their uncle so yeah i i think that itself adds such an immense layer of uh, misery, you know, that financial struggle. The, the, the one bit I do remember was that she accidentally set a fire in the village that her and her mother moved to. Oof. And yeah, I think it caused like loss to people. I'm not sure how exactly. Can't remember well, but she, she felt, I, here's the thing. I don't want to say anything like too generic or too big, but she thought that committing suicide would be a way to show that you know she has regrets and Oof, wow a way to yeah apologize i don't know was this a thing back then i'm not sure
0: i don't know just, oh.
1: right but i was like okay okay so you know different cultures um different perspectives this one doesn't end as badly I, I do have to say that the main character's brother reminds me of Yozo. Uh, the guy, <laughs> he depends on the family, he gets drunk, and then he brings a girl home. So the sister leaves towards the end of the book, and I think he commits suicide when she leaves. Oh, wow. Like he gets an excuse like, to do it at their home. Yeah. So the brother did, in a way, remind me of Yozo. And I'd say probably Desai, too, I think
0: yeah so, so that's so that's why I was also making these connections here, and I'm like i'm I'm seeing a desire in general covers suicide at least in these two books mm-hmm. that we've talked about, No longer Human and the Setting Sun, which I find to be intriguing among other things,
1: yeah,
0: interesting so. Oh, what do you, what what about like the themes? do you, what what do you think the themes are of the setting sun?
1: Oh, you know it's it's also really sad and I, I want to read out this like paragraph. It's I feel like it basically sums up not just uh, this book, but a lot of Desai's literature. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna start from. When I pretended I couldn't write a novel, people said I couldn't write. When I acted like a liar, they called me a liar. When I acted like a rich man, they started the rumor I was rich. When I feigned indifference, they classed me as the indifferent type. But when I inadvertently groaned because I was really in pain, they started the rumor that I was faking suffering and that's like pretty heartbreaking but also kind of yes. true you know you could you could be stupid and people are going like oh like he's so dumb or <laughs> but the moment it, it, and it happens when someone's like oh you know i'm sad or this, this has has happened we're all like oh they're being feeling a little over dramatic
0: feeling like genuinely bad emotions or dis- it was in sincere distress
1: but people wanted to leave him it's it heart wrenching and it is also kind of true, I think, about society. Yes. But I think that paragraph alone kind of shows the kind of... See, that's a thing with his literature and his characters. Even the brother here felt like he was not exactly a part of society or that society was this big evil that was cruel and mean. Um, and in a way, it sort of generalizes everyone, you know?
0: Interesting. Yeah. Uh, do you have any any other comments on the setting sun?
1: Nothing else like exceptional, you know. Still, It's it, it just it, there's that weird connection that you feel between Yozo and the younger brother here. That's that's just a thing.
0: Yeah, it, and hearing you talk about it, it does make me want to read the setting sun sometime because just to see to be able to build a link between these two books and maybe and also maybe explore more design work as well
1: but yeah. i do have to say that this particular paragraph that i read out loud it's like the highlight of the book to me you know mm-hmm. i read it somewhere online and i was like wow like this this seems so deep i want to read the book and then when I got to the book, this I think this is a little bit more plot based as compared to no longer Human, where we do this like really, really deep dive into the main character's thoughts and his views and opinions, um which are very depressing. here it's it's not the the exact same. Yeah, there are similarities, sure, but not the same thing.
0: And all right. Uh, now we can move on to our thoughts on the Traveling Cat Chronicles. Now we again we have uh, both of us have read this, and this is by Hiro Erikawa. And as uh, the first, you know, let's give our thoughts on the dynamic between Satoru and Nana, which we have already touched on a bit before, but just a bit deeper on that, and just <laughs> just how adorable they are together.
1: Oh God, Satoru is like sunshine, and Nana is sunshine too. But he's sassy, <laughs> he's funny. Um, I love, I love reading things through his uh, view, and the bond that they have with each other. You know, Satoru didn't want, so Satoru, I think he just didn't want Nana to experience, uh, the loss, and wanted him to live with someone that. Could keep him away from that sort of pain, and you know he tried hard to go to f- different friends, and that that journey itself was so beautiful. Um, I remember there was this one bit where we read about Hokkaido, if I'm saying it right, and the f- plants and the flowers and the colors. I I loved reading that. It's it's the image is still there in my mind if I don't remember the words, but just them traveling together. And wanting to be with each other the whole time, wanting to be nice with each other, um, you you can feel the love and affection they have. I think that was that was my favorite part, and that's what made the end so much worse.
0: <laughs> uh, when I think of the dynamics, there is a a moment like uh, there are many moments in this book, but one of the moments is. It, it, there's a moment when uh, when Satoru asks uh, uh, goes up to, goes out to a cat and asks the cat i guess he wants something in exchange for being stroked and then the response uh, the, the response from from Nana who, well because this cat ends up becoming Nana and so Nana ends up responding quick on to draw this one quite right got to get something in return from having my sleep disturbed <laughs> and just oh my uh,
1: god i think that, that is <laughs> just okay
0: just just you know just shot just sharp wits and doing such answers like that and again this is uh, this is uh actually just Nat cat ends up becoming nana because this is like before they this is right when they meet and then nana ends up getting hit by a car S- satoru ends up you know taking care of him and that's when they end up you know becoming such close friends
1: i'm literally just like going through the book and whoa i think um satoru was just see now he is the kind of character you're gonna look up to yes because i think with each one of his interaction with his friends there was something extraordinary that he did Um, you know, especially with his ad, but we'll get to that later. That's like towards the end of the book. But yeah, with his friends. Do you remember about the guy in college, his friend, whom he knew from, I think, middle school or high school? And he liked the girl, but he let go of her and he didn't tell her
0: because uh, the friend didn't want him to. It was a Sugi and Chicago Right?
1: Yeah, Sam, I think. Yeah, and there, he,
0: there he- a couple of there are a couple of the of the friends uh, whom Satoru had met along this war trip he trying to try and see if they could take care of Nana. Because there are also other friends too. There's also uh, Kazuke, who was also like a childhood friend. Mm-hmm. And then there's also Yoshimini.
1: Let me see. That's a guy who had a farm and everything, right?
0: Yes, yes. Who had farm. a cat? the farm oh was it was it was it Hachi or oh, no was that, was that no different? no I think
1: Hachi was the cat he was uh and I think Kosuke he asked Kosuke to have
0: oh right yeah so what do you think or like do you have any favorite like friends in this in this group as to the ones that say toilet meets
1: here's the thing I think Yoshimine was the best um <laughs> just like how he was you know with I, I think he was the one who took Satoru home with to his grandma, right? Uh
0: yeah. Because yes. I think
1: Yoshimine lives with her. And yeah, I think I think that whole thing. Because he wasn't living with his parents either. And mm-hmm. I believe Satoru wasn't either. So that sort of dynamic and similarity between them, I think that took their relationship, friendship to another level. And overall he was just really sweet and nice to Satoru. So I think Yoshimine had to be my favorite one.
0: Yes, I feel like uh, Kazuke is gonna be my favorite here. I just really, I I really, I found a lot of heart and the uh, and the relationship between him and 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 just and just how they and just how I felt like they were really close together, and kind of like how the back and the backstory we were getting on how they were buddies when they were kids. And there's just, there's just something about that that really drew me in, and, and also I feel like Hashi too, and just how Hashi was involved in the in the whole friendship as well. Mm-hmm. And I just kept drawing parallels between that, and uh, and the dynamic between uh, between Satoru and 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 Nana.
1: You know, I was very taken back by their love. Poor a cat. <laughs> they hadn't known really well um, a random cat, and they were willing to, you know, act like they're gonna jump off the top of the roof for, in front of their parents to guilt them into letting them keep the cat. But um, yeah, that was hilarious.
0: Yes. Uh, also, I also found it uh, really sad when the book was covering the, the death of Satoru's parents. You know that was, oh, it also added course. its own you know, layer of sadness to the narrative.
1: And then what made it a hundred times worse was when then the aunt went, oh, they weren't actually your parents, something like that, right? Like she tells him that. <laughs> he I know. Was I was adopted. like,
0: I know. I was like, what? You're dropping that now at this particular moment in such an abrupt manner.
1: I know.
0: What do you think about that unfolding?
1: here's the thing i was kind of pissed off at the end like i have to be honest
0: oh of course and, yeah who
1: would who would do that to a little child that just lost his parents you know both of them um he's already upset and i think he was supposed to give his mother a gift a present but he couldn't right because uh, on, yeah. on the trip yes. he learns that he had passed away yes yes Whew, that was a lot it was a lot and and the end, she does this really cruel thing. But, if I remember correctly, towards the end of the book and throughout, Satoru was so, so patient with her. You know, he was always like, oh, she, she's not best at communicating her thoughts. And she doesn't say the best things at times, but she doesn't mean, she she means well. And the fact that he always, always had so much patience. I feel like patience is just a virtue that Satoru was like, you know, that was his personality. Um, but yeah, I think that really, really made me admire him so much more. Here's the thing, that there's such a drastic, like, contrast or a difference between the main characters of um, Dazai's novels and then their Satoru, like... <laughs> <laughs> That's someone you're gonna look up to. Although he's done nothing extraordinary, but he was just a good human being, and yeah. yeah.
0: And I think the optimism helps. Like even though even though this is like you know it is it is so agonizing to read at times, and so sad. There's also a layer of optimism too, and that I think it's built into the book, so it can help to lighten up certain parts. You know, to hold on. You know, a desire to hold on to hope
1: very true i think that was also why they wanted to be with each other until the very last moment um they didn't you know see death as something like the end of it it was more like okay you're gonna be gone but i want to be with you until the very end Yes. that was just
0: now what do you think about how this leads up to the ending like specifically when did you start to suspect that satoru was not in healthy condition
1: I think probably when he went up to Yoshimine because um, when he went up to close, okay, I had this idea that maybe he was going to lose his job or something like that, but I don't know, I was also like how much, you know, could a cat like possibly cost or just to like <laughs> keep it like well fed and stuff and yeah, it, it. and I think there was this part where i think maybe later on um he discusses with with one of his friends that he's not getting laid off and then then i was confirmed i was like oh he's dying like i I was like a hundred percent he's dying um (laughs) and that was that was heartbreaking but when it actually happened like when it went down he was losing hair and stuff oh my god i remember Uh. like sobbing and crying and just the way that the cat would be there at the hospital and meet uh, Satoru was was wonderful. I, I wish to have that sort of, that kind of bond with literally anyone, um, human or cat. <laughs> and I think because I love cats, it's it just made it like a hundred times worse.
0: Yes, uh, I think it was probably what was... Uh, maybe towards the ending of the second act, or maybe towards like the beginning of the third act, where I don't, and I wish I could remember the specific moment when, but it was more like this creeping feeling. Where I was, I, I was listening to the audiobook for this, and as I was just absorbing more of the info towards, like again towards the end of the second act, beginning of the third act, I was like. Wait a second! Something about this doesn't feel right. And then eventually, it is made much more explicitly cl- clear that it's like, oh no, he is gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna die soon. And and when I and 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 it hit me really hard because I was like, this is someone who I was connecting with over the course of the book and his friendship with Nana. And I was like, oh no, we're we're gonna lose him by the end. And he and Nana Nana is gonna lose a friend. And it's just it, it, and then and then once it get it reaches the end, and then once you know with, uh, spoilers obviously with even spoilers, once Satoru officially dies, that was you know it, it brought out some tears. You know this was a book that did, it 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 did you know get me get me watery eyed, <laughs> and I'm assuming it happened also for you.
1: Oh, assuming oh. I, I like cried my eyes out as I was reading <laughs> the ending uh, even when he was talking to his aunt and just being like super kind and stuff I would cry because I was like no, don't die um and and but, but the ending it's it's so like bittersweet I want to say, but it ends well, you know Nana dies too, but he's like I'm coming back to you and you know they can carry on with their adventures and stuff and that just.
0: Oh. Yes, and and then, yes. I and and then even and so you got that, I also uh, wanted to point out how I feel like there's a whole part of the book where it deals with the friends and the aunts and just ha- the whole group having to deal with letting go of their grudges as well and involving like forgiveness. I think it's like mm-hmm. other people and also themselves letting go of, you know, kind of like the bitterness. Inside them because of, of, like, maybe like little of these little problems that they had with the others or again or themselves, and I found that also to be actually quite an insightful element of the book as well.
1: Oh, yeah, I remember them all gathering, that was nice.
0: Even just thinking about that, it it almost kind of reminds me just a bit of everything I brought at once as well, kind of like maybe that same because there's, it's not like the no same thing. Spoilers,
1: scenes. please.
0: No, There's no, like big spoilers, but like, it's thematic and hard mathematically, and in, in terms of just generally being kind and on and just learning to forgive and appreciate people. I think it all is not again not not the same themes necessarily, but it does all generally head in that kind of optimistic direction, which I and and also Sabah, I know that you know. I know you haven't fully finished it yet, but and you weren't fully into the movie, but I like, do want you to watch it sometime. Maybe we'll watch it together, hopefully sometime or you watch it by yourself for some time, please. It's yeah,
1: fantastic. Sometime. Fantastic. <laughs> all right. Well
0: those are all the all the thoughts I can come up with for the Traveling Cat Chronicles. Is there anything else that you want to add for this wonderful, wonderful book?
1: Nothing else. I do feel like I should look more into Hiro Arikawa's literature. You know, maybe there's more of. Their- I feel
0: like I should as well. I haven't, I haven't read anything else by by the author, but I feel like maybe I should. And oh yeah, I was just double checking. I gave this four point seventy five stars on StoryGraph.
1: Oh, yeah. I gave it a five star.
0: Oh yeah, I, I'm sure if I were to dive back into this again, I would probably bump that up. But for now it's just four point seventy five, which is still quite good.
1: Any book that makes me cry is a five star, like instantly.
0: Uh, I was just looking up Hero Ericwa's other work and I'm seeing a whole I'm I'm seeing a whole bunch of like there's like something called Library Wars, which apparently the you know, is a contributor for it. It looks like a or is it manga?
1: Not too sure.
0: I'm not sure. I haven't heard of this before, but
1: I want to read their other stuff and find out more about it.
0: <sighs> all right. Well, that is the journey we have now been taking through all of these books. Sabat, do you have anything else you want to add?
1: I think we've pretty much covered up everything.
0: All right, good, good. And and now we didn't we didn't each cover all of these books. Like for example, I have not read obviously *The Setting Sun* or *The Tales from the Cafe*. You haven't read Kafka uh, on the Shore*. Yes. Which I would recommend for you. You weren't able to hear my spoilery thoughts on it, but I would highly recommend that you uh, check it out. Now we can move on to the next segment of the episode, which is Good Words, where each of us gets to recommend something a book, a movie, a TV show, a podcast, music, whatever we, we want. So, Sabah, what is your Good Word?
1: My Good Word is um, something I have been recommending you for ages now and I need you to read it as soon as possible. Do you have any guesses? <laughs> uh,
0: Jujutsu Kaizen?
1: No, something to read. We've talked about this recently, Some... like a
0: lot. Oh, A Thousand Splendid sons.
1: Yes, A Thousand yes. Splendid Suns. There's, there's such a huge difference between. I want to say the setting sun and a thousand splendid suns. Like they both have suns in their name, but uh, this one, this one, it's see, this is how you write female characters, their struggles, their pain, uh, their perceptions, everything, everything. Um, it's it's not just about one character. There's not one specific main character, but I'd say two. And you see them struggling with uh, the situations in Afghanistan, Hmm. the war, the extremism, um, the states and their, you know, role in the overall situation. I'm not going to go like too deep into it, but the way all those factors impact their lives and the husband, Um, again, I'm not going to tell you too much, but. This is something you need to read as soon as possible. And I'd recommend this to everybody who can handle a little, you know, graphic details. I, I'd suggest everybody to go through the trigger warnings because it's not for the lighthearted. It's not, you know, a sentimental book or something light. It's it's quite a heavy book. Yeah.
0: Yes. Alright uh, again, it's still on my still on my TBR pile, yes. <laughs> Alright, so that's your good word for a thousand splendid sons by Halad Hosseini. And now we can move on to my good word, which is going to be the K drama series twenty five twenty-one, which you can stream on Netflix and it follows the uh the the dynamic that ends up blossoming between uh to be between two people. There's uh Hito, who who dreams of being a fencer and then there's Yijin who starts out as, as a as a news vendor and ends up you know, down the line becomes a becomes a reporter. It's just it's really enjoyable to watch how the I uh, you know, so friendship ends up forming. And then it, eventually, like, you know, there is some romance involved in the show as well. Not, not even just with them, but also with other characters as well. And it's also interesting watching this because it does take place uh, back, I think I think it starts, if I recall correctly, in the year 1999, I think, or it's the 2000s. It's, it's somewhere in that period. but. It's somewhere in that in that period. So it's kind of interesting watching that and maybe like no, noticing like like little little details. but it's like, oh, that definitely belonged back in the back in the late nineties slash early two thousands. And there's, a, there's a very, I, I like it that there's like a whole summary vibe to it. because just because of the way that the characters are like, you know, exploring their youth and just, you know, enjoying their time being young. And there's also there's also quite a few, like you know, I think thematically it's actually really interesting to dig into as well. The show, I, aside from stuff, the stuff about like youth, but also I think you know the power of friendship, or uh, there's actually kind of like a a bit of like La La Land stuff going on here, where it's basically like the, the show does deal with the struggles of like you know following your dreams, but then oh, how does that end up interfering with your with your with your life and with your your personal relationships. And those two elements crashing together. I also found like the stuff when when uh, when Yijin is becoming a journalist and you know and how he's dealing with dealing with ethical complications at work. I also found that to be interesting. And and Tito's journey, you know, to become you know, to becoming a fencer and then emotionally and it also it's just really uh, it was really gripping. You know, it's just something that, you know, drew me in. It's like, it's 16 episodes long. I would say that it's quite long, longer than I would expect for a show. And each episode is uh, usually like over an hour long. The last few episodes do end up becoming an hour and a half. This, this is definitely a show where you have to invest some time in it. But it's, it's worth it. And I oh I, I also appreciate how it, like, dramatically, it also deals with, like, growing pains. And I think it's also something... It, there's something valuable about the way the show deals with you know uh, with valuing relationships that you form in your life, even if they only last for a short period of time, you know, they're still important in your life, they're still crucial. It doesn't make them irrelevant just because they only lasted for that, you know, for that temporary period. And I think there's something really, you know, there's something really perceptive about that. And the music. I also love the music too. Also, like the OSTs. There are tons of them in the soundtrack, and there are a few of them that I've been listening to on repeats on Spotify. And quite catchy. And uh, again, the emotion. Just like even like towards the end, it's like oof, the just, just, just the waterworks starting up. And it's funny because I was watching that final episode, and that final episode is it definitely it's Usually, it it was it it was just grabbing my heart and just being savage with it, and then. I, I got to the post credit scene, and it, for people who want listen to this, make sure you watch the show and then go to the post credit scene because it is a post credit scene. And then when I saw that post credit scene, it that's that's when it just brought out the tears officially because my tears hadn't really started before that, but I was still getting emotional. Once I saw that scene, the tears just started falling down. I don't know, I, it just that scene that scene just pushed me over the edge. it, it, it was odd, but yeah so again this is uh, it's, 20, it's so 20...
1: nice to hear you and that you like the show so much isn't isn't the person who recommended to you i'm sure they're the best person you know <laughs> oh, crazy, yeah, amazing, course. And they have immaculate taste oh, oh yes of course
0: <laughs> immaculate amazing spectacular stupendous <laughs> yes it's just uh, yeah so again just is twenty five, twenty one. Again, emotional, I think there's only a few things in my life, a few other pieces of media where I have been that's overwhelmingly uh, just oh, emotional, whether it's stuff like everything I bought at once, also, that's like, uh, it's just being so brutal with my heart, or Coco, also, or Pixar's Coco, or Her with Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson, that is also like a movie that I did not expect to be so devastating and so just so poignant, but it ended up becoming such a powerful experience. And then somehow twenty five twenty one, it ends up becoming like that as well. And at the same time, like I don't want to. I feel like I'm not. I feel like I'm afraid I'm setting the expectations now too high for anyone who's listening to this. And it's like, huh? Maybe I'll check out twenty five twenty one. You know, I'm just saying, like personally for me, this is my put. Per- this is how my personal emotional experience went. It may not work like that for you, so don't just don't just don't set your expectations too high like that. I don't want people to be underwhelmed, but just go in and, and and you know expect a good time. Hopefully, you know. All right, so that is our good words. Now both are our good words, and Sabah, I want to thank you very much for coming on here and talking about uh, Japanese literature. I appreciate it very much.
1: You're very welcome. I've had a great time, too, so I want to thank you for inviting me here and letting me be on here. Um, yes. yeah, I'm glad that you like Japanese literature the way that I do. Well, maybe not as much, but you know, I feel like just I'm not something we have in common.
0: I'm not as learned it yet, but I will I feel like I'll get up to that point, you know, and... and there's so
1: many other forms of media, too. There's mangas, there's anime, so much more stuff going on.
0: And now, if you, do you want to promote any uh, any socials in this section of the show?
1: So I, I, I'm i not, you know, my Instagram account is private, so is my Facebook. Um, Twitter, I'm not very active on, so yeah, nothing from me.
0: Okay. And as for my socials, you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at two underscore sense critic. You can also follow my personal uh, Twitter accounts. Uh, good Pods account, StoryGraph, and letterbox, all at anti 18 You can find me on Goodreads at archerhowell. If you want to email me, you can reach me at email2centscritic at yahoo.com. You can also check out my blog at 2centscritic.com. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Wherever it is listen to podcasts, whether it's uh, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Overcast, Google Podcasts, etc. And again, Sabah, thank you so much for coming on here.
1: It's all good. Thank you for having me again.
0: And until next time, stay healthy and stay strong.